name of God who creates, redeems, and sanctifies. Amen. Please sit. On a baptism day, the sermon is always about baptism. And I think it's worth saying this morning, before we jump into that, that there were some very difficult things in the text this morning. And because it's a baptism day, I'm not going to get to dig into them quite as much as I normally would. So if you would ever like to talk about some of the things you heard this morning and some of the more challenging pieces of scripture that we don't always get to in the sermon, you are always welcome to come see me afterwards or set up an appointment during the week. Because the truth is, there are many things in scripture that we have to wrestle with reverently, thoughtfully, and fittingly on a baptism day. It's also worth saying that what Jesus comes to do for us in the new covenant remakes what was before. So the challenging pieces that you heard don't go away, but they are shifted, and our understanding of them is shifted as well. But today, our task is to think a little bit about grace and about baptism, and I want to start by talking about the Guardians of the Galaxy movies. <laughs> Anybody not seen those? Good, I'm still going to explain it. <laughs> so I actually saw the second Guardian of the Galaxy movie first, and there's a character whose name is Groot, who is, according to Wikipedia, an extraterrestrial sentient tree being. And Groot, in the second movie, is a baby. And he's super cute. He dances around, even as stuff is exploding around him. He just dances all the time to this really solid playlist of 80s music. And even as everything goes wrong, he's good, and he's cute, and he's dancing. And I decided that I really liked him. And in her infinite wisdom, Lynn said to me at some point, no, 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 you have to see the first movie to understand what's really great about Groot. So we watched the first movie, and I discovered that actually I, I really like Groot, because he reminds me of somebody else. In the first movie, and if you haven't seen it, it's totally okay, you can imagine the worst sort of ending to an action movie ever. The good guys can't seem to beat the bad guys. Everything is going wrong. The ship they're on is literally falling out of space. It's blowing up around them and it looks like everyone is about to die. And Groot, who is this extraterrestrial, sentient, tree-looking creature, goes ahead and starts growing branches, spreads out his arms, grows all these extra things, these extra branches and vines and leaves, and wraps his friends in this perfect little, safe, orb. Just totally wraps them up so, so that they'll be safe. And the other little character, the, the raccoon, whose name is Rocket, I promise there is a point to this story. <laughs> Rocket says, Groot, what are you doing? You're going to die. And Groot, who has not really a, a huge IQ, I don't think, through the whole movie, all Groot can say is, I am Groot, I am Groot. You know, people say the sky is blue, and he's like, I am Groot. I'm hungry, I am Groot. Okay, you're Groot, we get it. In this moment, when his friend is worried he's gonna die, he has this dramatic shift in perspective and he says, looking at his friend, we are Groot. 
he shifts from I am Groot to we are Groot, a focus on himself, a focus on his life, to we have life together. Which sounds an awful lot like Jesus, doesn't it? Who spreads his arms and wraps this pod around us of safety and grace and love and forgiveness and promises that we will never die. The good news for Groot is that his little friend Rocket picks up a couple of tree branches and plants them again. So Groot gets to have a different kind of life, regrows, hence baby Groot in the second movie, and all the dancing. And this too is like Jesus. This too is about new life and changed life. In the epistle this morning, the Apostle Paul is talking about community. And he's talking about our faith and our sense of belonging. He talks about the legacy of faith that's passed down from person to person, specifically in this text, from grandmother to mother to child. He talks about relying on the power of God and not being ashamed of the story of the gospel. Paul talks about the grace that comes to us through Jesus Christ. And the invitation in this text, which is really perfect, and it's the only one that's perfect today for a baptism, is to focus on that sense of community and that sense of belonging. When we gather for baptism, that's exactly what we do. We invite somebody new into the covenant, and in the process, we all remake our own covenant. See, at baptism, we believe that we receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And I actually say out loud, when I put the oil on the, in this case, baby's head, you are sealed by the Holy Spirit in baptism and marked as Christ's own forever. Meaning, all of a sudden, you belong to this covenant. You belong to this story that is much, much bigger than you. This story that is about Jesus, this story that is about life, and about community, and about love, and about justice, and about belonging. And the claiming that happens in that moment is claiming that can never, ever be taken away from us, no matter where we go or what we do. We always have that place. It's like the blessing sort of situates us in the overarching arc of salvation and gives us work to do that is just ours, work that is just yours, that you have the gift to do and no one else can do. It sort of brings you into the landscape and into the plot of the story. And the invitation of that is to not just let it sort of wash over you, sort of sit above you, kind of move around you, but to actually be transformed by the blessing, by the love, by the community into which we are invited. For generations, we have heard stories of saints who had remarkable abilities, who changed the world around them. Saints sometimes who had the gift of healing. Paul talks about the laying on of hands this morning. Saints who have the gift of intellect and the gift of wisdom, who invent, who create, who change the landscape, who are involved in science and medicine and make the world better for all of us. We also have in our tradition stories of remarkable saints who do things that are very hard to explain, that are almost extra-human. And this, Paul would say, rely on the power of God. You are baptized into something that is much stronger than you think. In the Gospel this morning, Jesus talks about 
the fact that if we had faith just the size of a mustard seed, which admittedly is this teeny, teeny, tiny little thing, we would be able to command a mulberry tree to uproot itself and go and plant itself in the sea, which is also an image that sounds like it belongs in the movies. I feel like I can call up images of movies where trees have sort of popped up and they start walking on their roots. It would be kind of nice to have power like that, wouldn't it? But what's much more interesting than that is the power that we actually have if we rely on the power of love that God gives to us at baptism, that lives within us, the power of the Holy Spirit that is already in your hearts and in your veins. We believe as Christians that if we can choose that love, if we can learn to live in that love the way that Jesus does, then we can change the world around us just like the saints. And we believe that if your love is added to my love and all of our love is added together, then that actually is the most powerful force in the world. So this morning, I think the invitation of these texts, at least as we're using them in relation to baptism, is to consider that stretching out of your arms. At baptism, the promise is that Jesus stretches out his arms for us on the cross to save us so that we might never really experience the sting of death, but instead might believe that there is eternal life after this one. And the invitation, too, I think, is to be a little bit like Groot, who, like all good superheroes, is a little bit like Jesus, who stretches out his arms and creates this sort of safe pod. And by the way, the Guardians of the Galaxy go on to save the entire galaxy because of Groot's sacrifice. And we have the ability to change and save the world because of Jesus' sacrifice. It's an invitation into the work. It's an invitation into a different kind of life. And ultimately, what we say this morning when we gather around the waters of baptism is that death will not have the last word, but love will. Love will always have the last word because Jesus already spread out his arms to wrap you up. So you may not feel like a superhero this morning or a star lord, but you are something much more precious than that. You are God's beloved. And according to Paul, you are the guardian of this faith. You are the one who can pass it down. You are the one who can spread it out. You are the one who can spread your arms and be a shelter for the people around you. So I invite you this morning to think seriously about who it is you should be sheltering and who it is you should be thanking because surely there was a, a parent or a teacher or a Sunday school teacher or a coach or a godparent, somebody who spread out their arms for you. And remember, as we gather around these waters, that the ultimate promise for Carter today and for all of us is that death will not have the last word, that that last word will always be love, and that when love is the last word, there is always life after that. Amen. So now I'm going to invite our baptismal candidate and parents and godparents up to join us. And I'm going to take any kids we have as well 